We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're playing games because we're watching the Blake 7 episode, Games, by Bill Lyons. Avon seems to have gotten himself mixed up with some sort of criminal enterprise. He has started working with somebody to try to steal the Felden crystals, the most valuable thing in existence and also the hardest thing in existence and the most uh, power-concentrating thing in existence. But his contacts have gone on ahead and gotten killed by playing games badly. It turns out that Belkoff, a guy who's been running the Felden Mining Organization for the Federation, has been skimming the profits off, and now he's about to get caught, and he wants to escape, and Avon wants to steal things, and Servalan wants to get things, and Belkoff loves to play games, hence the name of the episode. Scorpio arrives on the planet trying to make contact because Belkoff already knew they were coming because he's that kind of a game player. Meanwhile, Servalan has arrived in her guise as Commissioner Sleer. She puts him under arrest. He tries to use the crew of the Scorpio to uh, get him away, but in fact, he's really trying to use them as scapegoats so that he can get away from Servalan masquerading as Commissioner Slayer, and put the blame on them so that she won't think that he stole the crystals, which he did, in fact, steal, and at the same time, they'll be dead, too. And things all kick off, and then that's the way it goes. Okay, and so that's the uh, summary of this amazing episode of Blake 7 by Bill Lyons, his one and only episode of Blake 7. So, games. How'd you like games, Ben? I didn't. End of story. (laughs) It was um, not one of the best uh, episodes, but uh, I'm not sure it was down into Ben's Teed territory just yet, but... um, Uh, I... I mean, I I thought the premise was was an interesting one, but I thought the the plot gave... The the plot took a backseat. Was that plot with a T or plot with a D? Uh... Plot with a T. Let's call it plutonium. Uh, I thought it was. It took a backseat to gimmick, and the gimmick being is that um, this guy just likes to play games. And you know, but in terms of putting together a, a sensible story, uh, that just took a backseat to the whole thing. Okay, all right, fair enough. It was a little bit disjointed along the way, um, and and obviously my recap was a perfect summary of exactly what happened. And so you can just tell from that that it didn't make. Um, a whole lot of sense. So let's try to try to work our way through this a little bit. So Avon has starts this episode off and is already in the middle of a conniving little plot to steal the Velden crystals for themselves. But we don't know why. Did you get that from it? I mean, he wants to steal them. Villa wants to steal them to sell them. Tarrant wants to steal them to keep them away from the Federation, but we never really get why Avon wanted to do it. 
Well, I kind of thought that Avon wanted it because the Federation wanted it. It's a possibility. It, it It's a possibility, but the way he was grinning like a madman um, when he was well, going on about it, um, you know, he was clearly pitching it to Villa in terms of money because that's what Villa was. Uh, he was like. he was obviously pushing people's buttons because he knew how they would respond. But so in, in a way, he was playing his own head game. Hmm. So anyway, that's that's the MacGuffin. We want these Felden crystals. Um, and then it kind of sets up. A, I don't want to say it's like a. I, I I loathe to call it a sort of Holmes Moriarty duel of intellects, but. It seems like they're trying to do that. They're, they're trying to prevent uh, present Belkov as being – he's not just a guy who likes games. He's really good at them, right? I mean that is the, yeah. other, the other aspect of it. He is a games master and he is setting a bunch of pieces in place that he shouldn't, he shouldn't be able to, just like knowing that the Scorpio's crew is coming. I'm not sure how he worked that out unless he was already playing them. To manipulate them into place. Which would not surprise me given a lot of the um, uh, lack of logic in this story to suggest so to go ahead and assume that he already knew and that this was all part of his game would make perfect sense given the the whole disjointed no- nature of the, of the plot. Mm. And meanwhile, Avon is the only one who's really playing against him um, on an intellectual level. But I'm unclear whether in the end Avon would have won out if circumstances had played a little bit differently. Uh, I I couldn't tell at the end because I <clears throat> I thought at the end Avon decided that the crystals weren't there. Mm-hmm. Was that what you got? Yeah, that's what he said. That's exactly what he said. That's right. Um, and then And then promptly went over to the Scorpio and when he found out that the station, which is where the crystals weren't, according to Avon, was maneuvering into a black hole, he fired weapons on it as to counter it, to put power into the Felden crystals, which apparently were on it, to counter well, they were on, the Felden crystals. they were not in it, they were on it. Okay, all right. I guess you could make that distinction. The crystals aren't here, but they were there. They were just not in the room that he thought they were in. That part didn't make any sense to me either. It's like it didn't make any <clears throat> sense at all. Are there crystals here? The crystals not there? I, I, I don't know. Um, of course, nobody got any of the crystals, which seems to be entirely in keeping with most everything that's happening this year for the crew of the Scorpio. I mean, they don't get their scientists. They have occasionally had minor wins, like they got the Star Drive. But by and large, they are not winning. Have you noticed no. that? I mean, it's this is this is definitely Avon's leadership is not um, not getting them too far ahead of the game. All right, um, Belkov also has a computer, which he's built himself um, from a combination of a Federation computer and a pleasure planet computer. Now, oh, come to think of it, was it just last episode we were talking about how we had not seen any other Federation computers that could talk? Uh, I believe 
So. So here's our first one. Yeah. And not only can it talk, but it has a personality. Because <laughs> we love computers with personalities. Um, well, we were doing a lot of, I mean, I think at that time, writers, I mean, they like to anthropomorphize. Right. Their, their computers. I mean, we've, we've seen that in science fiction going back into the 50s, you know, with, you know, Robbie the Robot and later on. But uh, here, we, I mean, it's, it's really just what I'm, uh, pretty strong in this show, starting with, uh, starting with Zen. Yeah, but again, that was exactly what we talked about. Zen has a personality. Orac has a personality. Definitely. Slave has a personality. We have not seen any even talking computers apart from those three. Up to this point, and then suddenly this one comes in, and, and it's kind of a couple things. One is we see that we also see the Scorpio fire its laser weapons, which heretofore we didn't know existed, and we talked about that one or two episodes ago. And I'm just kind of wondering if this is gosh, Bill Lyons has never written for Blake Seven before, uh, Bill Lyons will never write for Blake Seven again, and apparently nobody is keeping. A rain on, uh, you know, how things work in the Federation, or how things work in Blake Seven. It's it's they've given up because this one's just atypical. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't think it was that detracting, though. I mean, no. it, it, it suited it's it suited him, our our protagonist, I, I our, our antagonist. I agree. It was uh, it, it fit with his personality, and there's a um, I don't know. There's there's a parallel with somebody. I mean, obviously, it's a bit of a cliche, but uh, there's a parallel with someone that I just couldn't place place my finger on while I was watching this. Is there some other game game playing computer duo from some other uh, show somewhere? It just it no, feels I, like well, the only thing that we even come remotely close to. Oh, God, you're going to make me look this up now, and I probably have deleted the entry. But it's the the Blake 7 one where we meet Terrence's brother. Oh, well. I mean, there's that whole tournament thing. Yeah. No, I was I was thinking almost like a, a double act. And not, in, not in Blake 7, where you've got a man and you've got his computer which he's programmed to be a game player game killer isn't there I, oh yeah ultimate computer <laughs> no that no 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 i mean games like chess checkers i mean the actual i'm playing game games with you and fun games uh, entertaining games except that they turn lethal i i don't know it just it while i'm watching it i'm like this is just resonating from some other show and i cannot i cannot place it to save my life. Hmm. I can't think of an episode of the Star Lost that fit that pattern, but that seems like it would fit right there. But, um, no, it just, eh. all right, well, maybe one of our listeners will know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But it just seems like there's something somewhere, some other show, something that, that was like that. Um, so speaking of planets that don't make sense, we have a planet who have, a almost invisible, but not quite, but almost invisible race of primitive, murderous zealots who will basically kill anyone because the plot requires the planet to be 
mysteriously dangerous and and also they take their religion quite seriously um so send someone down to their temple and they're gonna definitely murder i just it's so contrived that i i i'm struggling to make sense of the writing process that went into this Mm -hmm. and which makes it very uh difficult to um Trying to analyze. I know. I had. A, I mean, you should see the the uh, the 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 blank play, uh, space on my notes. I mean, I, I had a horrible time. I, I couldn't really come up with a proper analysis for this one. So there are. Co- so well, let's talk about Bill Lyons for a second. Um, I looked him up in IMDb. There's some shows that I don't know that he worked on. There's some shows I've heard of that I don't really know. Um, Emmerdale. EastEnders, Zed Cars. You know, he's he's written, he's been a jobbing writer for many years. But this appears to be his, as far as I can tell, his only foray into science fiction. Mm-hmm. Just out of the blue. It doesn't appear to be his forte. But but what is, what I kind of like, if, if there could be said anything that I kind of like in the episode, I like the fact that Avon is being both villainous in his way i mean he's once again he's setting up tarrant and villa and uh uh, dana to be in harm's way while he manipulates his way around trying to beat the bad guy so he's Mm -hmm. he's braining it and and he's braining it so in other words he not only he is being clever and he is being effective he's not actually trying to kill because in some of the other episodes when he drops him off on the planet, and then takes off, it kind of comes off like he's expecting them to get killed to achieve his ends. But in this one, it kind of felt like he was not really intending to sacrifice them, but he was using them as pawns. It was kind of... So I, I appreciated that. Avon didn't come off as an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, none of the characters really came no, off as no, idiots. No, nobody did. Nobody did. Uh, in fact, I was actually that, – that's one of the few things that I liked about and – and I really emphasize the word few – that I liked about this episode is that I thought the, the Scorpio crew, they were, they were pretty much um, in, in good form, including Villa, who always is, is in my mind, many times the, the one who most easily go down the path of annoyance. Uh, and, and he didn't. Even though he was, you know, playing to a lot of the, the those characteristics that we're familiar with, mm-hmm. um, and and there were times where he just, you know, he he was forced into a situation that he didn't want to do, but he never came off as an idiot. None of them did, uh, I, which was a nice surprise given how badly they all behaved in Assassin. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and and Servalan. Was at her delightful best in some ways. Yes, she I mean, yes. She really was. She had good one-liners. She was um, dangerous. Um, and and when she was torturing that guy, if torture is the right word, uh, Garen, I think it was uh, at the end where he was hurt and he was trying to bargain for his life and. She's just rubbing that gun on his face. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 
it was absolutely uh we never saw what happened to Garen, but I think we know. I think we're pretty sure he's dead. Pretty sure. I think yeah. so, yeah. Um she was just she was playing it up. That was that was one of her better uh particularly this year. Um but um so I'm thinking this guy might be and I really do hate to classify writers uh in in this kind of thing. He might be a character writer, you know? If you're writing soap operas like EastEnders or Emmerdale, you're really you're really not writing a plot. Well, I I would accept that. Uh, that 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 makes a lot of sense because our 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 main antagonist um for this, you know, Belkov. Uh I mean, he he's a he's an an interesting character. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to say that he's a good one, but I will say that he's an interesting one, and that's what I. That's what I. I Why well, I kept coming back to the idea that you know, all these you know, the big gimmick about games. I mean, that's that's his chief characteristic mm-hmm. is that he's he's just a lover of games so much that you know that at the uh, when when uh, Bill Lyons was writing this this episode. And if if he is indeed a character writer, which seems to make a lot of sense, then yeah, naturally he'd be pouring all his energy into developing these great characters and and giving the, them the, the, this interesting little directions without really thinking of a cohesive story plot to hold it together to to bring all of these elements together. Right now, so um, Belkoff is played by Stratford Johns, who mm-hmm. we've seen in Doctor Who as Monarch from Enlightenment, um, and. As far as I know, that's the only other place I've seen him. I mean, he's supposed to be somebody, so he's he's not, you know, an unknown actor. It's just one of those things that I don't think he's shown up on things that have been um, seen too much in the United States. I thought he was plot weaknesses aside. I thought he was giving a very good performance. As oh, he did. The guy who is eight steps ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I no, I I'm not knocking his performance. I'm not knocking anybody's performance. I thought he did a, a you know for the character that was that was called for. I thought he did a rather good job. Yeah, um, you know, even even at times when he would, the, it was that sort of that laugh he'd have when they'd say something. It's like you could tell that he was okay. I anticipated that, and I've got a, a plan around it. But I still realized that I could be shot and my game would be put off. And as he points out at one point, if I'm shot, Gambit will sound the alarm and it wouldn't do me any good, but you'll be caught uh, and killed. So he's he knows he's playing a dangerous game. It's a high stakes game. But, and I, but he's that's, trying to he's, hold all the cards. Yeah, but you know, you just said, you know, high stakes game. Uh, I think that he's, in some ways, you could classify him as an adrenaline junkie. I mean, he's one of these people. You know, you you, you see a lot of people. You know, they go to Vegas or, you know, and, and uh, or or uh, Monaco. You know, and they love to play those kind of high stakes games because of the of the thrill. And I kind of get the feeling that that's that's why he was playing such a dangerous game. And you know, maybe perhaps that's not, or maybe that was the motivation for the whole uh, skimming. Of the crystals, it's he- not not because he wanted them for personal profit, but for the thrill of trying to undermine the Federation in that way. Could be, could be. Do you think he was playing the game the whole twelve years? 
It's very possible. The long, long game. There. A very, very long game because again, it's the thrill. He's he's a gamester. Hmm. Um. Orac, our computer that can tap into any computer and take control of it in the universe, uh, once again doesn't do that in this episode, which is very disappointing. Every time they come up against a computer defense system, Orac should be able to shut it down, but he doesn't. But he has some interesting observations that the that the Gambit computer may be like a Delphic aura, Oracle. Right. In that it's... I thought that was interesting when I heard that. It's like it's, it's programmed to tell the truth but give you the wrong answer, so you have to make sure, sure. that it's not... You have to mm-hmm. ask the right question. Mm-hmm. And... Still, for this episode only, apparently Orac has to have a piece of the computer to be attached to him for him to do anything meaningful with Gambit. Why did the writer even, I mean, why did the script editor even let that go through? Why does the script editor let any of the garbage go through in this season? I just, I, I mean, it gave Villa an opportunity to be kind of clever with the computer. Mm-hmm. To get the part, um, and and ultimately, I think he talked. I don't think he specifically talked the computer into it, but I think his discussion with the computer ultimately led to Gambit killing uh, Belkoff at the end when he had set it up for suicide. I don't think it would have questioned that until Villa put that in its mind, but hard to say. Let's see what else do we have. This could be the shortest ever. I know we've said that several times, but uh, and and someday we're going to be one one that is the shortest ever episode of Fusion Patrol. Yeah. Um, let's see. We had the circuit that didn't make any sense. Um, we talked about the the there was a kind of gruesome uh, gruesome might be the wrong word, but there's the scene where they talk about the pressure crusher or whatever they call it, where they throw the ore into this device that turns everything into sand, which is just blowing out, which is a weird way to handle it, but okay, fine. And anything that isn't crushed is the Felden crystals. And the Federation um, guards nearly capture Tarrant, uh, Villa, and Dana, and uh, Dana is actually not caught. So she comes up behind, shoots a couple guards. Uh, the guard turns around. Tarrant could have shot the guy, but he doesn't. He runs up. Um, smacks him, and then throws him into the chipper, basically. Uh-huh. The dust the dust maker. And the dust changes color. Did you notice that it kind of went pink? Yeah. The next batch of stuff. And, like, well, would it really turn a squishy, mushy body into dust? I don't know. Not really. But that's, but... Not, the, that's not the part that I thought was kind of weirdly... Comment. It was later when Villa is lifting fingerprints, and he lifts up Parent's shoe, and he gets just the, dust, the dust. Yeah, and he takes the dust off. He says, "This is probably all that's left of that security guard that you threw in the you threw in the chipper." I thought, why would you think that? I mean, there was dust everywhere on this planet, and it just it was just a weird line mm. and a little bit dark. Maybe it betrays Bill Line's uh, personal sense of humor. That's why you wanted to write for this. I want, I want dark. Maybe. Want dark humor. Um, 
when they finally do get into the space station, it's very convenient that each of the tests that needs to be gotten through to get into the safe happens to fit the skill set of the crew of the Scorpio to a yeah. T. Soon yeah, you have something to do. She gets to be she gets to be quick drama draw. Taryn gets to show off how he's such an ace pilot, pilot and uh, and Villa has to break in to a to a safe. Mm-hmm. And Avon, I think it would have been Avon working out the um, star sequence, right? But that's where they break down. So that was, shall we say, contrived? But uh, that's the one where I really, yeah. Yeah. That, that definitely was like, wow, are we lucky Dana didn't come over and leave Sulin behind? Because you'd have never got through the quick draw without her. Um, or Tarrant, or whoever it happened to be that they would have swapped out. Uh, and I'm guessing they would have just had a different number of tests for <laughs> for the uh, for the safe. Um, I also like the fact that Tarrant's test was to fly a training simulator. Mm-hmm. Which, as he puts, throws everything at you. It's much worse than flying a real ship. And he sustains damage, and the computer gives him an option. You can uh, you can land for, I think, more 30%, points. Yeah, 30% more points, or you can achieve a stable orbit for X number of points, uh, either one of which will be good enough for you to do, and or to win, and landing will be you know, X times harder than which going is why the orbit. greater points, right? And Tarrant takes the lesser. Well, I think that was probably the smarter move too. Oh, absolutely, it was the smarter move, but it's not the typical hero move. No, it's not the typical hero move. Uh, that's. <sighs> I'm going to just prove I'm the best and show you that I am the best. Um, but yeah, but I that, that, that that yeah, I like the fact that he didn't. Yeah, I liked it a lot, uh, and again, I think that's you know, we're seeing. Well, I don't know how to put it. We're seeing. It's not that we're seeing a different side of Tarrant. It's just that it, it's a very good character development bit. Uh, it, it just shows that you know Tarrant can be practical. You know, he doesn't have to be you know the, the this egotistical. Uh, look at me! Look how great I am as a pilot. I mean, he he, he was able to show that he could be very pragmatic. And, and make a very, very wise decision in, in a particular situation. I mean, and maybe it's – and it's possible. It is very possible that the only reason that they would have won under both circumstances or either circumstances is because Taryn did do such a good job early on in the simulator. Had he kind of like you know not done so well, mm. uh, maybe the points would have been such that if he had gone into orbit, it would not have been – not have guaranteed a win. So therefore, he would – you know, any other person would have been forced – to attempt the land on the planet, and maybe that was the whole point. Uh, but because Taren was such a good, uh, good pilot to begin with, he was able to just you know uh, breeze—well, not breeze through, but do do well enough. Do just well enough to get the job done. Yeah, yeah just just to get the job. You know, because at this point, you know, and also we got to remember that you know uh, that they were they were on a deadline. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a Federation ship that was coming right for Scorpio or right for the space station, actually. Right. So they were on a deadline. They had to get through all of this fast, and and it was hot, the self destruct too. Yeah. Right. And, and hot dogging it like that would not have been conducive to that situation. Right. Um, 
Okay, before I go into the last thing, I just want to say, did you did you recognize the quarry from... Oh, Destiny, Destiny of the, of the Dal- Daleks. Yep. Yeah. yeah In fact, I was they- watching and I went, that's the very spot the TARDIS sat. Yep. Yep. That's exactly... That's the scene where it's very obvious. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was shot in more than one quarry, but I don't oh, think no, so. Oh, no, please. No, that was so blatantly obvious. Yeah. And and there, there was uh, another entrance, too, and that's where... Uh, Romana just kind of like you know that that's Romana's buried because it's, she's presumed dead. Yeah, I I think they shot that from a slightly different angle, but yeah, I, I it was the thing. But the 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 spot where they came out the hidden tunnel at the end was so obviously the spot where the TARDIS had been perched on those rocks that it was just it hit me over the head. Mm-hmm. Um, do we know what year that was when they did that? Destiny of the Daleks. Daleks, yeah. Oh, I could find out really quickly. Uh, off the top of my head, I, I really don't. Uh, early '80s, if I'm not mistaken. See, I think this episode is '81. The season, though—that's the problem. But because um, I just, I kind of trying to, in my mind, uh, equate the equate the two. So you know, would Doctor Who have been there one week and Blake Seven the next, or? Are these shows separated by... Because I'm thinking Destiny of the Daleks is like 79. Uh, it's very possible. Very possible that it was... A, it, it, I, yeah, I would definitely say uh, late 70s. Well, the reason, uh, I, cause, the reason cause, I mentioned... Yeah, 79, because uh, the, the Key to Time series was in 78. Okay, the reason I mention it is because this is 81, I'm pretty sure, for Blake 7. So... If Destiny of Daleks was 79, then uh, Tom Baker's final season was 80, and this would have been first season Peter Davison. And although we like to make draw the Paris comparisons between Blake 7 and Doctor Who, by Peter Davison's first season, they look nothing alike. Oh, they don't. No, totally different. And you're correct. Destiny of the Daleks, uh, it aired... Uh, the first episode aired September 1 of 79. So, you know, it's contemporaneous uh, to Peter Davison's early uh, Doctor Who, and it is interesting to see how the Doctor Who production team has moved on, for good or for ill, uh, the changes that were put in place by John Nathan Turner. But Blake Seven is still playing strictly by the old school Doctor Who look and feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this time. Anyway, I wanted to mention the quarry. But, uh, so, the last, the last thing. Felden crystals act like a magnifying glass. Except that they put out infinite power. Which, will not even, <clears throat> will not even go there. Let's We're not just say, even, it's just there. You know, let's, let's go with analytic geometry and say it's infinity minus one. Yeah. And uh, then, yeah. And so go with we it. we can do the math on it. And, um... But it's it's really really powerful, and um, there's something to do with a sequence of stars that's used. First, it seems like it's a puzzle to get into the lock safe, but then suddenly it sounds like they're talking about that maybe that the sequence of stars is what you need to do to align the the panels which now suddenly apparently are where the Felden crystals are. But it's a trick, which Orak tells him it's a trick, but doesn't bother to tell him how it's a trick, because Orak. 
And which come to think of it, an oracle complaining about the way an oracle works is kind of funny. Uh, and then um, they figure out it's really it's a black hole, which I think Avon actually calculated the correct answer. I think I that's what right. we were supposed to be. He worked it out. It's a trick question. It's a black hole. But if this thing is going to plunge itself into a black hole, then that's going to be infinite amount of power coming out of the black hole, <clears throat> opposite of black hole. And it's going to destroy everything. And I'm not sure what he meant by destroy everything. Because I guess, assuming that a black hole had infinite power and you put, because it I don't understand. And you put these crystals which can amplify that an, an infinite amount. Then is he talking about destroying all of the universe? Or is he just making it's going to be a big bang? I couldn't quite tell. This, couldn't quite tell. I kind of get the feeling that it was just talking about it was going to be a, a really you know nasty boom in that area. And so then somehow we work out the equation in Avon's head how um, – I guess if power coming from the black hole, this just bugs me every time I even want to say that, um, is – Well, and, and at this point, they had no idea that uh, that there was – anything would emanate out of a black hole, you know, like Hawking radiation or anything like that. I mean they, they – to, to uh, at that time, all scientists knew, you know, a black hole sucked up everything. Nothing got out. Right. Nothing. <clears throat> and yet somehow the – black hole which is further away from the station than the scorpio therefore the scorpio's lasers heretofore unknown lasers scorpio's lasers being closer to it represent more power so that the two can equally balance each other out perfectly enough to destroy the station without destroying the universe i don't know and Techno babble. Well, not even techno babble. It was it was it was techno nonsense. And also, Avon basically tells Slave to throw everything they've got at it, all systems, everything but life support, right? Uh-huh. And yet, from a position that's basically random, from an amount of power which is basically like push the switch all the way up, and from an amount of energy coming from a black hole that we we don't have any clue how much it it is. Avon managed to balance it, as Borak said, perfectly to cancel each other out. Right. Uh, I didn't even bother to try to analyze that. It, it really was incredibly sloppy. Uh, it, oh, that's putting it nicely. <clears throat> it was beyond it was like, sloppy. It's like, yep, we'll just throw the kitchen sink at it. It was and, gibberish. Yeah. Not, uh, not a good episode of Blake 7 and... But I didn't hate it. I guess it uh, had its moments. It does have its moments, but the part that you know, it, 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 there's no uh, legitimate story here. Uh, there's only the appearance of one, and that is through character development. What the how the characters are reacting to uh, some perceived situation. That's the story. So it's it's it, this is a classic case of putting the cart before the horse. Had there been. Uh, a, a well-developed plot uh, to this episode, it could have been phenomenal. Given because the 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 character development was excellent, but that's not enough to sustain this. Um, because by the time you get to the end of it, you're just shaking your head, thinking, "What the hell did I just watch?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh well, I don't have anything else. 
Uh, no, not really. No, no, no nothing else on this one. Uh-uh. Um, so it definitely is a shorty. Um, next time, when we rejoin Blake 7, um, we will be watching the episode Sand, which is another one of those final episodes, the final episode by Tanith Lee. So, woohoo, we're knocking another one off the list because we all we all loved her last episode. Um, which was, I don't remember. I don't, I don't recall. I, I'm well, thinking. I know, I'm sure. I know, I know which one it is. It, it was I'm trying to remember which one it is. Callie and the Death Ship. Oh, you loved it. God. You loved it. I just can't think of its name. I can't either and I don't want to. It's, it's kind of funny that I can't think of its name because I should, sarcophagus. There we go. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, yuck. <laughs> so she'll be back. Um, and we'll. I will see who Avon has to manly man kiss out of trouble or whatever <laughs> in this one. Mm-hmm. Ben, thank you for joining me for this exciting episode of Blake Seven. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> Listers, I, uh, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Jeers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.